Welcome back, I suppose. I am delighted to announce that today's podcast is sponsored by the local town crier service, Town Square Space. I mean, I say that I'm delighted, but as you can imagine, I'm being less than completely sincere. Town Squarespace provides an all-in-one platform that gives you everything you need to announce your announcements or proclaim your proclamations. Who writes this stuff? Town Squarespace's professional town criers are at least 30% louder than any other town criers. Whether you're just getting started or are an established brand, our powerful platform helps your business grow. I remember when it was perfectly acceptable to announce your next genocidal plan by posting it on the local notice board, but apparently no one looks at notice boards anymore, so you have to pay a man to bellow in people's faces. You people sicken me. Back to the podcast. I have let Russ Morrissey and Peter Coffey out of the dungeon for a few hours. You're lucky you can't smell them. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morrissey's unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, hello, hello and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk as always, I am Morris, a.k.a. Russ, or Russ, a.k.a. Morris, and with me is my usual co-host... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, has said that I'm both ebullient, possibly even efficiently here. Efficiently ebullient? Absolutely. Or ebulliently efficient? I like to maximise my fun. Fun optimisation is an important part of my life. Fair enough. How's your week <laughs> been, Peter? Uh, yeah, it's been amazing. I've been uh, playing... Quite a lot of D&D, finished off Halls of Dragon Queen, mm-hmm. been doing lots of reading, oh, uh, and had a chance to go ape. Go ape? Yes, go ape. It's a thing where you uh, traverse from tree to tree using a variety of exciting ropes and bits of wood, uh, whilst secured to the safety line system with a couple of um, carabiners. Carabiner type of drink. It sounds like a yeah. cocktail of some kind. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it, it, it's very popular on some of the Jamaican islands as well. A rum-based one. Well, <laughs> very, very important that you uh, explain this to any climbing people. I, you I do know what a carabiner is. <laughs> oh. I was just making a very, very, very hilarious joke. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's why I'm laughing. Yes, I can see on the inside. <laughs> yeah. uh, I started a new campaign on Thursday night. Exciting! It is a urban heist fantasy campaign. Oh! So we got um, what we got. We got a, a minotaur pirate. Yes. Uh, we've got a uh, Jekyll and Hyde style ogre stroke orc. So basically, he's an orc, and then when he when he transforms, he turns into an ogre. Basically. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, what else have we got? We got a, a, a wizard. Ah, good old and, Oh, and two two half link, well, small folk twins, mm. which uh, look identical but have entirely different skill sets. Nice, nice. It's like it's going to be fun because we're doing we're trying this tree <laughs> player idea. Oh yeah, so yeah. we've got um, so four players. Yep, and each has two characters. With you, yep, yep. So for any given heist, mm-hmm. so the first one, they're um, mm-hmm. trying to steal a necklace off of the uh, body of lady who's just died, mm-hmm. and there's going to be this funeral procession and then this funeral barge thing going out to the Isle of Bones. So, and oh, uh, uh, they the, need they need to replace the necklace, which is valuable around her neck, with a paper mache one. Yeah, they're sort of doing some pre-tomb robbing. Yeah. Unusual but, for but, but they can do it at any point. So the idea oh. was you, you set it up, mm-hmm. and then they can choose at any point how they want to run this heist. They can try nice. and intercept the barge. They could try and sneak into the tomb. Mm-hmm. They could try and get into the chapel um, while the wake's going on. You know, whatever. Yeah. They could try and disguise themselves as caterers and try and mm-hmm. get in. You know, whatever they want to do. Absolutely. Totally yeah. free to set up their heist in any way they want. Mm-hmm. And um, they've got two characters each, So and there's four players. So each player can take whichever of their two characters yes. on any given adventure. Mm-hmm. So you basically, you, ta- you also end up tailoring the party Oh, to the heist. Nice, so you said, nice. right, we don't really need the ogre in this one yeah. because we're all pretending to be caterers, but we'll take the minstrel. Yes. You know, and that sort of thing. We'll take the small folk. Everyone knows small folk know about anything. Yeah. 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 Should be fun. Yeah. Should be fun. Should we do some news? Mm. Yes, let's. All right. So, first thing in the news mm-hmm. is a piece of artwork. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is for Pathfinder Bestiary 2. 
Ooh. Um, the artwork is by Wayne Reynolds, and we will put a link in show notes to it, but it's a rather Ooh. gorgeous cover to this bestiary. I really, really do like this. Oh, there is stuff going on on that cover. I'm just pulling it up. It's taking its time. We've got what? Looks like a pair of kobolds? You've got a pair of kobolds. You've got a yeah. hydra in the background, multi-headed hydra in the background. I'm guessing that's a troll yeah, it, in the it, foreground. It, it looks like there's a troll, and it's like, you know, shouting at a pair of kobolds who are, like, giving it some lip back from mm. inside their various kobold hidey holes. Mm. And what they're actually doing is they're distracting it while a giant, uh, what, five-headed hydra Sneaks is sneaking up, up, on, the, <laughs> sneaking up <laughs> on the troll. It's like, yeah... Typical kobolds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just imagine a hydra sneaking up on you. Yeah, it'd be like, you know, shout at some kobolds, like going, yeah, come on then. Come, on, come at me. And like, and they look behind you. And then suddenly a hydra appears. <laughs> Unfortunate. Hey, it's the fifth part of the War of the Burning Sky adventure path is out. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so that's a fifth edition adventure path. It's been updated from Ooh. the original Pathfinder. Oh, or interesting. Was it? No, it was a 3.5, actually. It was a 3.5. Right, it's right. 3.5. Uh, there was a 4E version as well. Mm. And this is, and the, the, its uh, fifth edition version is up to adventure number five, Mission mm-hmm. to the Monastery of Two Winds. Oh, nice. So this is, I love this adventure path. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, I'm biased because I published it originally. Nah. But um, <laughs> I do think it's basically one yeah. of the best adventure paths around. Um, it deals with um, War of the Burning Sky. Yeah, there's a big there's a big What's war going on. Uh, so the there's this uh, Emperor Coltung, and he has this torch called the Torch of the Burning Sky. Okay, yeah. And this enables him to uh, transport armies instantaneously, which obviously makes him pretty much the most powerful. That that's a strong yeah. logistical bonus. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so right at the beginning of the adventure path, that Emperor is killed, and oh. the torch goes missing. Oh, okay. And everyone wants it. That is a major. Reasons. That's a major power vacuum. Yes. So right at the beginning of the adventure path in uh, the scouring of Gate Pass, the mm-hmm. PCs start off in this uh, small town called Gate Pass, which is mm-hmm. you know in a valley between mountains. It's a gate and a pass, yeah, perhaps. essentially. Yeah, and um, the Ragesian army is mm-hmm. uh, right at the doorstep, okay. um, laying siege to it. Mm-hmm. And there's these inquisitors that go around hunting for unauthorized magic users. Right. Um, for reasons which um, become found out later in the adventure path. Essentially, they're being captured and taken to an um, underground icy prison oh. and um, having their magic extracted from them to power a super weapon. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic adventure path. What, I love it. Watch out for Inquisitors bearing straws. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that... Oh, okay. Any idea what sort of levels we're looking at here? Uh, so it goes right from level three Ooh, with the nice. first one, and I think it's going to top out 15-ish. Nice. I think. Yeah, high-level play is as been often often noted in many places not really that well supported so seeing something that goes up to level 15 would be really fantastic yeah hey how would you like to pop along to the barrier peaks oh try and stop me if you were if you were to organize some kind of i don't know a journey to the barrier peaks what would you call that Mm, probably an expedition an expedition to the barrier peaks yeah absolutely absolutely yeah I, call, I might accidentally call it an exhibition from time to time but that's just how I roll <laughs> um, so Goodman Games yeah um, they brought out um, a 5th edition version of Into the Borderlands a couple of mm-hmm. years ago yeah and then they did the Isle of Dread mm. uh, and what they do with these things is they give you a big hardcover book yep and it's got the original module in it mm-hmm. it's usually got another printing which is slightly different of the original model because often back then you get slight variations and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you get them both in the book. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you get um, the fifth edition version. So you end yeah. up with a big, thick kind of... Because um, oh, these so are like 32 page adventures yeah. or something. You end up with a big, thick hardcover book yeah. full of stuff. And um, yeah, Expedition to the Barrier Peaks is the latest one, which was mm. a science fantasy um, yeah. adventure in which there's a crashed spaceship which um, lands in... Not the sort of thing I'd expect to encounter with my typical adventuring party. Yeah. And you know what? I think the game is worse for that. <laughs> well, it's still set in you know, the usual fantasy world. Yeah. So the, the, the crashed spaceship is a, you know, it's a mm. odd thing for you to find. But, and it's got robots and it's got yeah. laser guns and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I think we could do a bit more weirdness in Fifth Ed. It's like, just like things like, well, we don't know what this is. This mm. is crazy. Marvellous. Yeah. Well, uh, well, certainly for fans of the original modules... Yeah. That'll be fun. 
So Thomas Valley over at GameholeCon, um, he's the Adventurers League coordinator there. He was asking for volunteer DMs for the show in November, which isn't massive news in itself. But as part of the post, which he posted publicly on Facebook, he referred to the premiere of an epic event set in an unannounced setting and also the premiere of adventures set in an as-yet unannounced setting. Um, so there's no clue whether that's an entirely new setting, whether that's a revival of an old set. I mean, it could literally just be part of um, part of the Forgotten Realms. Who knows um, how he's using the word setting there. But there we go. That, that's, you know, that's what he said. So speculate away, I guess. What could that be? Mm. Hey, who is the best being ever to have lived? Best what to ever have lived? Being ever to have lived. Mm, I think Django's uh, clearly in the lead. He's clear Django. Are you in the lead? No, he's ignoring us. He's secure in his magnificence. (laughs) Well, other than Django, it is, of course, David Bowie. True. And uh, David Bowie has been in a couple of films. Yes. One of which featured his codpiece quite prominently. I don't know which one. (laughs) Labyrinth. Oh, Labyrinth. Oh, are you calling it Labyrinth? As opposed to... Labyrinth? 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 You said labyrinth. No. I can't can't actually hear the difference in what you're saying. Oh, well, I thought you were saying labyrinth, which would have three syllables. I'm saying labyrinth, which would have two syllables. Well, I think it is, but the Y is very quick. Labyrinth. Fair enough. Uh, Not to be confused with labyrinth, which is a big axe. Yes. Yes, it is. No. Anyway... Um, Having said all our pronunciational differences, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, to the important news, which is that there's a labyrinth so, RPG. A labyrinth RPG, <laughs> as I should now pronounce it. Uh, River Horse Games. Nice. Are going to be releasing a labyrinth RPG later this year. Don't know an awful lot about it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to buy it. So, yeah. <laughs> Despite that. I, I don't think this is controversial. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jim Henson, puppets, David Bowie... What, what's going wrong? Exactly. exactly. Why would you not want that in your game? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, um, mm. you know, if you're really lucky, maybe David Bowie would actually turn up. That would be... Because I refuse to believe he's dead. Fair. Uh, well, I was just saying, we needed more weirdness in games. And <laughs> voila. Yes. I am anticipated. Hmm. Um, so this is kind of... Um, it's, uh, they describe it as being set up as 90 interlinked scenes full of OSR-style challenges. Definitely not OSR rules, though. So I'm not 100% sure what that means. Well, it means they're not using second edition Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, but 90 interlinked scenes. So I suppose it's a labyrinth. Yes. And it shifts. Or So I suppose, essentially, you could go into the labyrinth, maybe. I don't know if this is how they're doing it. And each time you go into it, it's going to be different. Yeah. And there's 90 different types of encounters that you can have. I don't know. Maybe if you go right instead of left, because, I mean, if you go that way, that will take you straight to the Goblin Castle. Well, it says here, mechanics are very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a 13-hour clock slowly ticking down throughout nice. the adventure. Yeah. And if you don't beat the game in time, you lose, you have to start over and try again. Bum, bum, bum. Sounds good to me. Yeah. I'm picking that up without yeah. a doubt. It's always, like, sort of got a board game-esque quality. It sounds a bit like it, yeah. 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 I, think, I think the OSR style thing it's saying is partly borrowing the buzzwords mm. but mostly because it's concentrating on challenging players rather than characters yeah the conceit of the original film has like i'm sure the two people that haven't seen it will know won't won't know is that it's a um a young girl that has her baby brother taken away by goblins at her request to be fair um and she's trying to recover it so um, and she goes into a labyrinth and meets david bowie yeah. yeah, best day ever. <laughs> who, who, who's also apparently a goblin prince amongst his many other talents. <laughs> goblin king, in fact, not just a prince. I do beg your pardon, God. goblin king. Yeah. You're deranking him. <laughs> wow, yeah, it's just like his magnificence is too much for my mind to comprehend. So I do my best. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think the OSR style thing is basically uh, hitting it should not be your go-to plan. <laughs> and probably setting it on fire is not going to be as successful as you'd hope. Yes. We've got a very quick uh, Peso roundup. The folks over at Peso are continuing their tradition of um, making dedicated pawns for each adventure path. So the uh, Starfinder Pawns Signal of Screams collection has just been released. Also, uh, there's a new uh, Pathfinder campaign setting book, Concordance of Rivals, 
Um, it includes uh, 24 new demigods, um, which you can assign a, a new paladin or cleric to. There's a new prestige class, some new occult rituals, and uh, all sorts of more stuff. Um, you know, so uh, Pathfinder 1st Edition still has life in it, apparently, even though 2nd Edition is coming out in a matter of months. And uh, there's a Starfinder beginner box coming out extremely soon. Um, this looks awesome, and if it's like the Pathfinder beginner box was, it will be. We've got a 96-page Game Master's Guide, an adventure, um, a whole load of pawns, character sheets, and uh, uh, it's even its own set of dice. So, yeah, if you're into Pathfinder or you want to get into Pathfinder, that's a great way to start, and it looks gorgeous. Moving on. Swiftly on. Moving swiftly on. Monty Cook Games, Arcana of the Ancients. Ooh. The big Kickstarter has launched. Ah, this is the foray into Fifth Dead, as was heralded by their little little scribbles in margin yes. area. So what, they, what they're not actually sort of coming directly out and saying is yes. that it's Numenera 5th edition. But I, I think, think if, you read, be, if you read the, between the lines, I think it kind of is Numenera 5th edition, isn't it? Or tools so that you can run Numenera 5th edition. Interesting. Uh, so uh, if, if you have a quick look at the Kickstarter, it's doing rather well. It's, uh, let's see what it is in dollars, because that's in pounds. It's currently at $150,000 with 25 days to go. Well, what was the goal? Uh, th- uh, in dollars, again, that's in pounds. In dollars, 50000 uh, For those of you playing along at home, that's um, 113000 odd. Oh, on a thirty-seven pound. Okay, yep. So that's uh, they've nearly got four times the amount of money that they want, and they've got plenty of time to go. The art's lovely. Look at this. Oh, oh gorgeous! I mean, we've got like what's that big two-headed dragon? Well, Monty Cook oh. Games is very well known for extremely high production values, and you can just see that just oh, seeping yeah, through. Yeah, those, those are some gorgeous, gorgeous books. Yeah. I mean, I've never played. Have you played Numenera? No, I, I've seen it run uh, this one time. Yeah, um, and then. Never again. It's just like one of those. Yeah, I've got it, and I've got the strange as well, but I haven't had a chance to play them. Yeah, yeah. I def- it's one of those things. It, like, if someone says, "Would you like to play?" It? I'd be like, "Yeah, sure, that'd be great." Mm. But yeah, um, as it is, I'm constantly being seduced away by other other ideas. There's just so many role playing games to play nowadays. There are, there are, I and mean, this is a good thing. It's not a bad yeah. problem to have, is it? Two way games, so little time. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of sad news here. Uh, Larry uh, Dettilio. Uh, passed away uh, at the age of 76. Um, so if you uh, are wondering who uh, Didilio was, um, you will probably remember him for his work on Masks of Nyarlathotep and uh, also Tunnel and Trolls, The Isle of Dark Smoke. But that's not all he did. He was also um, responsible for a lot of cartoons. Um, things like Shiva, which he created, uh, Beast Wars, some of the real Ghostbusters. Uh, he also um, wrote on the first two seasons of Babylon 5. Yeah, he passed away uh, this weekend after a long illness. So our sympathies go out to uh, out to his family and friends. Uh, what else have we got? Yeah. Wardlings. Wardlings? Wardlings. Um, so... Uh, As in like little mini wards? So this is a setting book. Mm-hmm. Based on um, Renegade Game Studios and WizKids are producing this. Mm-hmm. It's a setting book based on a miniature line of kids' adventures called mm-hmm. The Wardlings. Nice. Um, it's for D&D 5th edition. Mm-hmm. And it allows players to embark on enchanted adventures with their favourite magical animal companions. Mm. So I'm not really familiar with this um, this line of line of adventures um, no so it's based no, so it's based on a line of miniature adventurers not adventures oh uh, okay, sorry yeah. I, I misread that yeah. adventurers which so, so there's miniature adventurers called wardlings yes and now they're getting their own C- campaign setting yes nice yeah okay uh, what do the wardlings look like then do we know um let's see if I can find any they have animal companions we know that much there we go uh yeah okay so we've got though we've got like um some people and a little thing with okay. wings and a little wolf, I guess that is. Yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it's like, we've got like regular characters, but with more pets. Hmm. And yeah, I, I don't really see enough pets uh, in games. 
So good news for Eberron fans. So the original creator of Eberron, Keith Baker, he's teamed up with a few other authors on the Dungeon Masters Guild and they've released a new 164-page PDF Eberron supplement. Um, you can get it for $14.95 over on the DM's Guild. Um, it contains new archetypes based on the 3rd edition Eberron prestige classes, uh, plus uh, races, racial feats, uh, new forms of dragon mark, and some more Eberron lore and information, and a whole load of plot hooks for you to use in your Eberron games. So, if you're an Eberron fan, head on over there and grab that right away. Yeah, uh, what else have we got then? So we got um, a new expansion from Fantasy Flight Games for their Star Wars role-playing line. Ooh. Uh, this is called Collapse of the Republic. Bum, bum, bum. Um, compatible with all three games, as as you'd expect. Yeah. Um, all about the end of the Clone Wars and the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Galactic Empire. So, sort of Revenge of the Sith, the role-playing game. I guess. I think yeah. it's... Yeah, it's maybe slightly after that, maybe. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But it includes new player character options, including Death Watch Warrior and Night Sister. Ooh. Uh, also, um, things for Game Masters to run the events of Order 66. <laughs> okay, well, that sounds like something you'd want to do. <laughs> it depends which side you're on, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Are you running yeah. a Jedi hunting campaign? Oh, that could be fun. A Jedi hunting campaign. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, free RPG Day. Huzzah! Based on Free Comics Day, obviously, um, yeah. as a new owner. Ooh. Um, it's called Gaming Days LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, so Free RPG Day it was um, originally founded by uh, Aldo uh, Giozzi I'm not sure how to pronounce his name something like that mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, it was kind of handled by um, Impressions game distributors mm-hmm. um, up until uh, Impressions got sold last year mm-hmm. um, so Giozzi um, kept the rights to Free RPG Day after mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and uh, now it's passing on to um, a new company called Gaming Days LLC mm-hmm. Don't know any more than that at this stage. I mean, um, Free RPG uh, 2019 is on June the 15th, Saturday. June the 15th? Marvellous. Uh, and in theory, you can go along to your local game store and pick up some free goodies. Ah, well, yeah, we'll be sure along to pop along to our friendly local game store on June 15th to pick up a free RPG. Yes. And maybe run it. Yeah, I think you have to go to the site to see which ones are participating, not all mm. game stores are necessarily. No, no, that's fair enough. Um, there's a there's a massive drive through RPG sale at the moment. Um, where, oh really? Which is EN Publishing stuff. Oh really? Yeah. So um, they they contacted me about a month ago and said, um, "Would you like to run a week long sale?" Uh-huh. And I went, "Yeah, I'll do that." Ooh. So um, there's lots of sort of ghost breaking, xenomorph hunting, vampire slaying, bounty hunting goodness. So if you want to pop along and get some what's all his new stuff, or some of the War of the Burning Sky stuff, or something like that, for up to sixty six percent off. You can do that over at Drive Through RPG until Thursday, I believe. So Ooh. when you hear this on Wednesday, you're going to be running out of time. Yeah, get in there quick. Mm. Yeah, um, um, I think that is it for the news. Oh, but why don't we play yes. our favourite game in all the world? Uh, our favourite game in all the world. My favourite <laughs> game in all the world ever. Yes, that game. Okay, well I've got a stick and we've got Django, so we're good to go. <laughs> oh, you just woke him up. You just <laughs> woken up the beast. Right, did someone say my name? Django, we're talking about you, not to you. Yeah. He's sulking now. Yeah. Oh. Ah. Promises, Uh, promises. Yeah. I'm a monster. Okay, let's play our favourite game in all the world, the game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. I've been all over the shop with my guesses. Some have been... You did really well last week. I did. I, I, I was amazed. But John Dodd, he absolutely smashed it. He did. He, he did. did. But it was a draw in the end, as I recall. It, it was, but oh, oh, it was it was hard fought. But yeah, definitely amazing stuff. All right. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Our favourite game in all the world. So first one, you should get this one. Yeah. This one isn't too hard, and you'll like the name of it too. Okay, I'm listening. Mercenary spies and private eyes. You're right. I do like the name of it. That's <laughs> <laughs> because it rhymes. Partly, but also partly because I know I'm in for some good quality content. So Mercenary Spies and Private Eyes, I'm thinking a game setting which will cover you from anywhere from the 1940s onto the modern day, and also a game system. Like, uh, yeah, game system which will let you play all of the above and have all sorts of rocking adventures. Yes. Um, The only thing you missed out is it's a new edition of 
uh, game first published in 1983. I did not know it existed until now. Well, now you know. Now I'm happy. Now you know. Well, yeah. you've pretty much got that. Eight out of ten now, I think. Sweet. Not a bad score. Not a bad yeah. start. You're Universe start. momentarily safe. Hmm. Okay. What yeah. is Gods? Oh, okay. That's my that's my clue. Is it Gods? Um, gods. Django is snoring. Well, yeah, got to sleep sometime. <laughs> yeah, it's so adorable. Uh, gods. I think we stumped him. What was single word? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you think? <laughs> okay, gods is a game. Good start. Thanks, Russ. Your pal. <laughs> <laughs> um, it could be all sorts of things, um, including a sort of theological bestiary, if you will. I don't think it's that. I think it is a game where you take the part of gods. Um, so a bit like Scion, but even more high-powered, where you're the god. So I think it's maybe some sort of storytelling game. And, um, yeah, you uh, take on the part of a gods in a pantheon. And, uh, yeah, that would be the sort of game I'd hope for from a game called Gods, where you are all part of a pantheon and you're gently bickering amongst yourselves and uh, trying to resolve things without accidentally cr- cracking the roll in two. Hmm. Do you know what you know? What's good about you, Peter? Yes. It's how much, how well you handle disappointment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because that is not what this game is. Okay, well, I'm hoping it's significantly better than what I came up with. <laughs> so, um, are you a fan of Robert E. Howard, Carl E. Wagner, Michael Moorcock, Glenn Cook, or Frank Frazetta? I am fans of, I'm a huge fan of at least two of those people, fairly indifferent to one of them, and a lot, and one of them I have not heard of at all. Okay then. Well, this um, this is a love letter, essentially, to these writers and artists, and okay. um, it's a dark and grim fantasy role-playing game. Okay. Where you play heroes seeking high adventure in the wildlands, a brutal land abandoned and forgotten by the gods. Oh, well, obviously that's what the market's been crying out for, a grimdark adventure uh, system and setting. Okay, tell me more. Uh, the rules are based on the totem system. I'm not familiar with the system, but it uses ten-sided dice, d ah, um, to manage gaming phases. Mm-hmm. Um, characters are defined by traits. Interesting traits. And um, you roll a number of d10s equal to the score of the trait used. Okay. Uh, and uh, compare the result of each die to a difficulty ranging from 1 to 10. The more results are equal or higher than the difficulty, so standard dice pool. Yeah. Mechanic D- with D10s. D- D10 dice pool. Yeah. That's a lot of words to say. Yeah, we standard saw, D10 dice pool. We saw, yes. we saw World of Darkness and thought that was a cool idea. Let's, let's use that. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, you got minus one point out of 10 there. That's fair. So, it's taking your score down to 7. But I feel vindicated. <laughs> right, how about this one then? I think my game was better. How about this one? <laughs> no, 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 I'm sure. I'm sure you should get in touch with cards. It's a. Uh, it, it's certainly. It's a D10 take could be an interesting and unique one, and um, it's different from the flat property curve of D20. So that is that going for it. So, yes. Leviathan Rising. <sighs> oh, I know what I want this to be about. I know what I want this to be about. Go on. Say. In the era of um, Hobbes. Oh. Uh, yeah, you know, um, oh, was it, is it Thomas Hobbes? Robert Hobbes? It's basically the guy who wrote Leviathan about life being nasty, brutal, and short. Right. Uh, Leviathan, in that case, being the concept of the state having the monopoly on violence in order to, like, you know, stop people from stabbing each other every five minutes. Okay. Because if they did, then the state would step in and ruin them. Um, in Hobbes' times, it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Thomas Hobbes. Someone writing, tell me if I'm wrong. That's a good thing about being on the internet. Um, in his time, the Leviathan was like the concept of like the state has embodied through the uh, the crown. So, oh, I don't know. Leviathan rising would be the formation of this state. But generally, Leviathan would be seen, especially with modern liberalised, as being quite a bad thing. It was useful at the time, as everyone was just stabbing each other. It was not good. But, yeah, maybe you are, like, people opposed to Leviathan. So you're sort of anarchists and rebels uh, fighting against agents of the state. Uh, that's what I'd hope it would be about. Um, it's either that or it's about, like, a really big kraken. That's exactly what it's about. 
Is it about a really big kraken? No, the first thing you said. Oh. <laughs> Not the kraken. Uh, really? It is an enlightenment punk role-playing game. <laughs> <laughs> and I've broken Peter. <laughs> enlightenment punk. Yeah. Uh, 17th century rebels fighting for fraternity, equality, and liberty. Um, You are chosen by the rebellion to represent them and spearhead the fight for freedom against a corrupt establishment. So, exactly what you said. Pretty much. That sounds like something I really need to play. Well, you can do. Yeah, (laughs) a Kickstarter, you say. (laughs) A Kickstarter, indeed. Tell me, when's the Uh, end? there, There is some bad news. Yes. You're not a big fan of the system it's using. Is it fake? It is fake. Okay. I can think about it. It's not not like that's the system you use when, like, you know, making mechanics is hard. It's a storytelling. I'll give you 10 out of 10 for getting it exactly right. Plus one consolation point for for the disappointment (laughs) of finding out it's in one of your least favourite systems. So it gives you 11 out of 10. Look, I'm not saying anything's wrong with fate per se. It's just I've never enjoyed a game of it. I play big Fair enough. So yeah, there could be all sorts of reasons for that. Okay. Yes. I'm not. I'm not well, telling you I, what to like and what not to like. I should enjoy my consolation point. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first it's ever very, awarded very, on this show. Very tasty consolation point. Oh, nom nom nom. Mm. Yes. Anyway, moving on. There we go, and that's it. That's it for this week. Okay. In oh. our favourite game in all the world. Huh. So what have you scored there? Um, about 20 odd <laughs> <laughs> something in the region of 20 odd um, yeah. there was one more but it seemed um, a, a bit too easy powered by GURPS Dungeon Fantasy Monsters 2 and game reprint that's, that is have an excellent title yeah I, I kind of felt that if I just read that out there's no way you were not going to get it anyone was <laughs> It really does do what it says on the tin. Is this a fifth dead conversion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that's from Steve Jackson Games, obviously. Oh, we didn't yeah, game again. yeah. Oh, I think we should do the PAQ. PAQ? Yeah, patrons ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely need a much, much longer title. It's far too snappy. <laughs> I'm colonising your intellectual phrase. <laughs> oh, we, we should actually probably mention one of the things that uh, had come up on a previous podcast. We were talking about, what's it, Garlic Space Cats, which actually turned out to be a Galactic Sentience catalogue. Yes. So the Garlic Space Cats, I think, ended up in the Patreon episode, so most people won't know what we're talking about. Oh, but... well, if you're not a patron, then you won't understand about Garlic Space Cats. Garlic Sentence Cats, I think. was Garlic that. Sentence Cats. Garlic Sentence Cats. Yes. Cats that speak only through the language of garlic. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, what did you want to say about Garlic Sentence Cats? Uh, well, I wanted to say, actually, the name's a Galactic Sentience catalogue, and... Um, Due to uh, my privileged position of being able to like come to Russ's house and see his stuff, it's f- absolutely full of like amazing and interesting playable races. What's old is new. And it is. I think you could quite happily have half these ideas away uh, to pretty much any setting where you've got like monsters. Uh, well, not monsters, but uh, things that live in space. Like uh, you got covered from goblins, lizard people. My one of the things I personally like, uh, was it the uh, the Gaga? Uh, mm. Yeah, like they're basically, how else to explain it? There is, a, there is a bipedal tree frog with a harpoon gun slung over the shoulder while they're wearing like a sort of a spacesuit crop top uh, <laughs> with like a tool belt slung off them. It, it's, it's, it's a pretty strong image that they've got there. <laughs> and there are some other amazing ideas in here. There's the, uh, mm. there, there, there's like, there's like a, there's a greyhound wandering around wearing sportswear saying, yo, what's up? Um, there are the Jamila, which are which I really quite like. Uh, probably because I'm heavily influenced by the good place and uh, Jamila from there. But they are basically perfect idealised humanoids that are like people, but just a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're the Warhammer elves of the uh, wine system. Yeah, Hellions. There's, like, there's a pig having thing. There, there's, there's a mushroom guy wandering around saying, I'm a mushroom. I'm a, was it a Fornian fungus. Mm. Uh, and I've also seen like a big tree wandering around, uh, which also seems like a I decent thing. It's a pterodactyl. And that guy is a pterodactyl with a ray gun. And you know where you stand with a pterodactyl with a ray gun, mm. saying, how do you have a ray gun? Oh, no, why is he shooting at me? Ah. So, yes, the... Is uh, a pterodactyl? The Galactic Sentience Catalogue. Uh, not, all sorts not of, the Garlic Sentence Cat. Not the Garlic Sentence Cat. 
the joys of oh and in the back is the race building engine oh so if you uh, yeah. if the 50 yard um, player races you don't like any of them you can build uh, your own yeah oh that's pretty sweet yeah uh, excellent news for sci-fi fans everywhere so uh, yeah well that, that, looking forward to that is that being kickstarted or are you just flat out publishing it oh it's published already oh it's out yeah it's released into the wild. It's already out. Yes, you can go and buy it right now. Is it, in fact, in the Ian World sale? Um, yes, it will be, yes. Ooh. Anyway, uh, what we do is we allow our patrons to ask us questions each week. Ah. And we attempt to answer them on the podcast. So if you'd yes. like to ask a question, yes. head on over to the Patreon at Patreon forward slash Morris. Yes. Make sure you're a, you're a patron of Bonus our podcast. Which, you know, can be as low as a dollar a month. We have some questions here from our lovely, lovely, gorgeous Patreon backers. Yes. Um, So let's start with, let's start with uh, Lee Donovan. Hey, Lee. How you doing? So uh, Lee would like to know. Yes. What's the one rule you Mm. hate in an otherwise decent game? Oh, I'm going to say magic points in Savage Worlds. Okay. Why, Why do you hate that? I hate magic points. I know you love Savage Worlds. I love Savage Worlds. Mm. Um, I'm going to be running a game of Savage Worlds uh, for some people that I am very fond of. Uh, But yeah, magic points just, oh. Just the concept of them in general. Yeah, they just annoy me. Really? It's like, sort of I can deal with spell slots and stuff, but. See, I don't like spell slots. I like magic points. I would prefer it to be a bit more like the old system in that you're trying to pull magic out of some something mm. like you're trying to succeed at it uh, I mean it's one of those things it's like it needs to have a cost for me magic points and spell slots they're not ideal fair enough yeah fair enough um, I'm just trying to think of my one I don't know I don't know I hate is a strong word but yes. um, one that does spring to mind is the ghost die in the original Ghostbusters RPG oh yeah, yeah. so I love that game Yes. Such fun, and it's a very, very simple dice pool system. Yes. As we mentioned before, the first ever dice pool system. Yes. Um, but uh, one of the rules is every time you roll your dice pool, one mm-hmm. of them has to be the ghost die, yep. which is a d6 where one of the, uh, probably the one or the six, I can't remember offhand, yep. but one, one of them is replaced it, by the Ghostbusters logo. Sweet. Uh, so whatever your uh, um, size of your dice pool is, one of them is going to be that die. Mm-hmm. And if you if the ghost logo comes up, something mm. bad happens. Oh, but the thing is, that Ooh. means one in yes. six rolls, yeah. something bad's going to happen. <laughs> and uh, yeah. in practice, it's it's just kind of constant, especially when you've yeah. got sort of like four or five players. Especially every round, something bad happens. Yeah, that, that sounds kind of unrelenting. And one, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's not you know, it is the Ghostbusters game, so it's something silly bad. It's not going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be amusing. But the thing is, you're trying to think of things every single round. Oh, oh. you got covered in slime again. You know. Oh, oh yeah. uh. it's too much. So I, I, I always, I always, unless it's always possible that I got the rule totally wrong because I just kind of remember it. Like, it is remember possible. It. Yeah. That's certainly how we played it, anyway. So that would be my answer. Is a rule I wouldn't say hate, but yeah. I think it is a, a flaw. You know, yeah. in other words, otherwise great game. It really interferes with attempts to control the tone of a game mm. because comedy is great, but sometimes you want to have something a bit serious, just so that then when you do have the comedy, it's even funnier. Yeah. Um, yeah, like being able to have a bit of a. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't say it has to be funny. No, it doesn't. It, it just says it has to be a negative thing. So, but, but know, it, in, it, in that game, you tend to make it funny, but right. it's, it's, it's still up to the GM. Yeah, it's good, but but it will tend to devolve into slapstick because, yeah, yeah. like it, it goes so contrary to our experience of everyday life. It sort mm. of breaks your immersion because, like, some days the days when we talk about everything going wrong, mm. you've had maybe two, three. Maybe even four or five things go wrong if you're busy and it's all been horrendously bad. But we're talking about five things happening every six seconds mm. or so. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, not so good. Oh, we've got another question. Oh. It's a slightly more difficult one. This we have thing. another question. So we've got one from Trevor Chapman. Hey, Trevor. Um, so um, it's a bit longer, so I'll read it out. Yeah. Uh, when third edition became all the rage... Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people taking modules from first and second edition and converting them to third edition. Okay. Uh, Wizards of the Coast is essentially acting along the same lines for their fifth ed published adventure books. Mm-hmm. So my question is, are there any conversions of the fourth or fifth edition modules and campaigns back 
into third edition. Ooh. Interesting question. A retro conversion. So I wasn't aware of any offhand. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I saw this question, I did some research. Um, I asked on Twitter. I did a Google search and came up blank. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't find anyone that was aware of any and I couldn't find any myself. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean they don't exist, but I couldn't find any. But I did have a thought on it, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because he goes on to talk about his um, reasoning for asking the question. Yeah. And I think he could just approach it differently. So he goes, after having a group of players very comfortable with third edition, yeah. and having several thousand dollars invested in that edition, Ooh. I have decided to continue in that version. Yeah, no, it's fair. <laughs> um, so he'd like to leverage the better quality and writing of the modern modules and campaigns, right. but continue in his preferred edition. Mm. So my suggestion is... Use Pathfinder Avengers. Yeah. Because they're kind of similar in quality to the modern Wizard of the Coast ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Adventure Paths are Pathfinder's bread and butter. They yes. mastered the art completely. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what they're doing. And they would be, you know, super easy to convert over to 3.5. Mm. Given that Pathfinder is essentially a slightly modified version of 3.5. Yeah, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the systems well enough to speak authoritatively, but... I would struggle to tell the two apart mm. um, unless they unless they had Pathfinder or three point five written on them in yeah. the letters. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other the other thing is a lot mm. of these fifth edition modules adventures mm. at the moment are updates of first and second edition adventures. So rather than trying to yeah. reverse engineer the fifth edition mm-hmm. back to three point five, yeah. I would suggest that it's easier to get hold of the second or first edition original mm-hmm. and convert that forward to three point five. Yeah. That seems to make a lot of sense. Which is essentially what he says, you know, happened back when third edition came on the way. So my my suggestion was to go back to the source mm. and uh, and use those. But I mean, he does say he want he likes the better quality and writing of the modern modules. And no, that's entirely I can't, reasonable. I can't argue with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. That I don't really have a solid answer for you there, Trevor. Sorry, but yeah. um, I mean, converting forfeit. Like, the Dark Sun setting is really interesting. Mm. Like, I only know tiny bits about it because I was, yeah. wasn't was really thankful. Fourth Edition was really well known for good adventures, though, was it? No, no. It was very, very good at doing balanced combats and being yeah. easy to prep, that sort of thing. I remember the adventures I played in Fourth yeah. Edition. I found them not great. Mm-mm, bit forgetful. Yeah, mm. yeah and yeah, Fifth Ed, Fifth Ed is a lot of, basically, there's a lot of Second Ed conversions at... To be fair. Yeah, first hand, second, yeah. Yeah, no. So sorry we can't help you out more, Trevor. Um, I'm sure that with the amazing power of the internet that we will have people come back to us and say, oh, actually, there's this really well-known website where you can do this. And if you do, thank you very much in advance. Hmm. Um, and we'll be sure to uh, let you know. There we go. That's our Patreon yeah. asked questions for the week. Yes, yes. I hope, I hope our answers, if not, <laughs> if not helpful, were at least... We are Adequate. sincere. We are sincere <laughs> in our attempts to help. We tried. We did our best. We did our best. Okay, is everybody here? I can't wait to start our first game of Dungeons and Dragons. Stop! Stop everything! What? Who are you? I've come directly from D&D headquarters, and we have an important announcement. Can't it wait? We're about to start our first game? It's very important. I cannot allow you to proceed. Ugh, fine. Spit out then. What's wrong? Well, due to budget cuts at D&D headquarters, we are rebranding the game. Okay. Now, instead of being called Dungeons and Dragons, it will be known as Dungeons or Dragons. Uh, I failed to see the point. Your games may now feature immense, scaly, fire-breathing lizards, or they may feature... Dark, scary, underground caverns, but not both at the same time. But that's just ridiculous. This adventure is inspired by things like J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, which features a great fire-breathing dragon sleeping in the depths of an underground dwarvish kingdom. Not possible, I'm afraid. The accounts department would have my guts for garters if I let you do that. You'll just have to choose one or the other. But, but they're both integral to the plot. What what am I supposed to do? Why don't you replace the dragon with an orcus or two? Or or maybe a nice abaleth? Okay, I suppose. Or 
keep the dragon and set the adventure in the seaside town of Torquay. Torquay. It doesn't have quite the same je ne sais quoi, does it now? Sorry, completely beyond my control. You should hear how they're rebranding Magic the Gathering. We have a topic of the week. We do? How exciting. Yes. That's a change for us. I think we should delve into... (gasps) The sinister secret of Saltmarsh. Saltmarsh. That name rings bells. Does it? Yes, it does. It's just down the road. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I I don't know Southampton that well, but I'll take your word for it. Um, So this is Dungeon Module U1. which was uh, released back in 1980, I believe. 1981, I think. 1981. Um, And this was the first ever UK D&D adventure. Oh. It's for AD&D, first edition. Yes. uh, By Don Turnbull. Yes. And the reason we're discussing it is because, Mm -hmm. coming very soon, Mm -hmm. later this year, is uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Ooh. Which is the new D and D fifth edition hardcover adventure collection from Wizards of the Coast? Yep. So, which edition is uh, you one from? Is that first first edition? edition yes. First edition. Yeah. Uh, so, this is um, one of the adventures that's going to be in Ghosts of Saltmarsh. The Ghosts mm-hmm. of Saltmarsh contains the Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh, which is yep. this one I'm holding in my hands right now. Ooh. It's two sequels. Yes. And uh, I think there's three or four other adventures that are going to be in there also. Yes. Uh, I thought we'd dive into this, have a mm. quick look, and uh, I think we should warn people that because this is appearing in the fifth edition as a fifth yes. edition update from Wizards of the Coast, mm-hmm. from here on in, yep. if you are going to be a player yes. in this adventure, stop listening now, come back next week. Unless you have a dreadful, dreadful memory. Yes, because this is going to be spoilerific, and I think this particular adventure, spoilers would ruin it for you if oh, you're playing. so many spoilers. If you're a GM or DM, and you're planning on running it, or you're already familiar with the adventure, yep. then carry on listening. It's pretty clever. Yeah. Yeah. So. You were warned. Turn back. Turn back. So Salt, Salt Marsh is like a, a little town. Yeah. It's basically one of those sort of South Coast English towns. Oh. Of which there are many. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen a map of it come out already um, on the website. We've got it's right on the coast. Tell you what is fun, tell you what is fun though. Yeah. Um, Wizards of the Coast have teased us with a map the, that's going to be in Ghost of Saltmarsh. Yes, this this original adventure. Yes. does not have a map of Saltmarsh. That is true. Not only that. Yep. It tells you mm-hmm. to draw your own map. <laughs> it literally says so um draw your own map here we go <laughs> therefore if there is to be an adequate background to the series yes. the dm is recommended to prepare the town quite thoroughly mm-hmm. using the guidelines presented in this module as the basis for that preparation the dm's own style and preferences will govern just how much preparation is done and in how much detail but it is suggested that attention be given to at least some of the following. And then it basically says you've got to come up with the town council, some um, prominent local citizens, draw a map of the town and locate prominent buildings, decide where the characters could stay in town, um, decide where the town's places of worship and which deity... So basically you have to design the setting. Yeah. Make it, it's, it's sort of a DIY setting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, Salt Marsh isn't really important to us. We're just going to talk to you about stuff. I mean, but they've got some fantastic bits in this. I'm I'm particularly enjoyed um, Don Turnbull, who's what managing director at Tactical Rules, Tactical Studies Rules, or something yeah, like UK. that. Yeah, UK, 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 UK branch. Yeah, yeah. I, I like his little essay at the beginning where he's talking about the language because it's the first yeah. UK module. Absolutely. And so he's, he's basically sort of saying this is uh, this was written in the UK. Um, American readers may find the tone of it slightly different to what they're used to. I make no <laughs> apologies for this. If this detracts from your enjoyment, then you know. Um, but this is how we write over here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't help but imagining him speaking with a really clipped received pronunciation. Well, I'm looking through it all. I'm just trying to see whether it is in UK English or American English spelling wise. Um, I don't think of a. Spot the word colour or something like that. Yeah, honour maybe. Uh, colour or honour? Yeah, I can't. I can't actually see any examples right now. Maybe they've just carefully avoided every single possible yeah. occurrence of the word colour or honour. I don't know. Yeah. 
I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a definitely of its time. The first thing I noticed about it was it's quite a small, quite a small, um, like, book. Well, all of these were. So yeah. they're all, it's 30 pages. Yes. Made completely of paper. Mm-hmm. And then it comes with, as all of these did, this cardboard um, sort of cover slash DM screen, mm-hmm. which opens out into oh, a three-panel yes. DM screen. Oh. And on the front page, facing the players, yes. you're going to get the um, cover. Yep. The back cover and well, um, an actual map. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. You couldn't actually really use that as a DM screen because there's spoilers no. on the back cover and there's a map. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a, it's a good idea. It gets people to read it. But and on yeah. the inside, you've got maps: the haunted house, um, a ship. Yeah. And uh, the ship called the Sea Ghost and a simplified rigging diagram of the ship. It's very important to have the rigging yeah. in place. <laughs> um, these very maps, in fact, um, uh, I've seen uh, Dyson Logos is one of the cartographers for the upcoming Ghost of Saltmarsh. Oh, yeah. And he posted on Twitter um, the maps that he's done. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same maps, but sort of updated. But they're still sort of like the black. These are blue and white, but the black and white style. Yeah. They're almost exactly the same. Like, just updated very slightly. Mm. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I mean, should we get into spoilers then? Oh, very well. So, the basic plot is, there's yeah. a haunted house outside the town of Saltmarsh. Yes. There's lots of ghostly goings on there and weird noises. And um, everyone in town is scared of it. Oh, yeah. So much so to the point where, like, uh, there's just like weeds all around it and no one's gone near it in years. Oh, the old... Uh, does it, it does it have a name? It needs a name. What the house? Yeah, like the old Jacoby place. Um, you got to call it like called. Um, let's, let's have a quick yeah. look because I'm just going to memory from when I when I when I originally played it. So um, it's just called the haunted house. Yeah. Four miles east of Saltmarsh. Yeah. Oh, oh, you can't just go calling it the haunted house though. It's like oh, the old Jacoby place. It's haunted there. Sadly, it is just called the haunted house. Capital yeah. H, capital H. Absolutely. Don't want to go up there. No, no, no. So, but the the, yeah. the deep dark secret, the sinister yeah. secret of Saltmarsh is do oh. do do. Spoilers incoming. Alliter- Stop listening. I'm warning you. Stop listening. Is it alliteration? <laughs> the sinister secret of Saltmarsh is is actually. A Scooby-Doo episode. Bum, bum, bum. Because there are no ghosts. Uh, it's not haunted. What? It is, in fact, smugglers. Uh, wait, and what? Smugglers are in the house, and they've got an illusionist who's making it uh, seem like it's haunted. Ah, uh, illusionists. Yes. Is, is it a case of a wizard did it? Yes. Yes. Yes, uh. it is. And he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those pesky <laughs> kids. Oh, uh, yeah. So, essentially, the players, the PCs, are going to go to yeah. this haunted house. Oh, Presumably, discover that it is in fact smugglers and not ghosts. Yes, um, and uh, uncover the dastardly plot. Ooh! Um, there's actually two adventures in this. Yes, it's, it's a two-part adventure. The first part is the Ooh. haunted house. Yes. The second part, and that's Scooby a Scooby Doo episode. Yes. The second part is called the Ghost Ship. Well, well it says it's a Scooby Doo episode, but there's also quite a long bit in front of it which says oh if you're not playing it smart or if your players are casual in their preparations they're probably going to die mm. well what is quite fun about this mm. is also have you seen the number of players it's for uh tell me how many players five to ten pcs oh, five to ten pcs that's a lot of players does any did, were tables just bigger back in the old days i guess us? so yeah <laughs> <laughs> five to ten pcs yeah that, it's not often you see an adventure design for ten pcs is it uh, well, I, I, that levels one to three. Yeah, I assume they're going to change that for the upcoming version. <laughs> yes, five, five, five to ten uh, fifth dead characters would be a lot of characters mm. to have. Like I say, I mean, to, how would that even work? No, that'd be dreadful. That's not so we did. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, the second adventure in this little book. I mean, it's a it's a thirty page paper book. Yes. And fifteen pages. Mm-hmm. Are the haunted house? Yes. And another fifteen pages. Yes. Are the ghost ship? Yeah. And uh, what that is, it's the smugglers have a ship moored off the coast, Ooh. and the PCs then have to uh, get in a little rowing boat, head out to the ghost ship, infiltrate mm. the ship, sort of yep. under siege style, take yep. out the smugglers, yep. rescue an aquatic elf who's a prisoner in there, and discover that the smugglers are actually smuggling arms. Ooh. And by arms, I mean weapons. Yes. Not actual arms. It could, gone, weird. it could have gone either way. I totally <laughs> believe it. Uh, uh, yeah, they're, sm- they're smuggling arms, which um, they find in the hold. It's something like um, there's something like seven morning stars and fourteen long swords. And okay, 
Yeah, they're not put, like special magical super weapons or anything. They're just regular. Yeah. It's just your regular murder cutlery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah that, that's basically the the the, the plot. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's so old school. It really is just in the way it's written. To like, we were discussing this beforehand. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I mentioned the thief or the assassin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> So, again, spoilers, but um, they go into the haunted house, and at one point in the haunted house, they discover, tied up in a bedroom, um, an assassin who's been hired by a merchant in the town to um, deal with the PCs. Because the merchant is one of the um, people who are profiting off these smugglers. So this rich merchant in Saltmarsh pays the assassin to deal with the PCs. So this is a fourth-level assassin... Sort yeah, of D&D, yeah, yeah. AD&D first edition rules. But yeah. It says in the book, and this is the funny bit. However, yes. the PCs will not know that he's a fourth level mm-hmm. assassin. He will introduce himself as a second level thief. <laughs> oh, hello, my name's Jim. Um, I'm a second level yeah, thief. Exactly. You can tell I have many of the class features. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it says in there. It introduces himself, as, and then it goes on to say that um, clever players will soon realise he's not a thief because he can't speak thieves cant, which is one of the class features of a AD and D first edition thief. Well, it's, it's not called thieves can now, after all. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So yeah, it's so unashamedly old school in that sense. Well, of course it is. It is old school. It's um, it's from it, 1981. It, but... is, is it old school if it was like it was new school at the time? <laughs> well, you know, like yeah. you said earlier, it's like 40 years old. Not quite. Ned oh. Shakeshaft. That's the name of this assassin. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's someone just giggling to themselves. I <laughs> say. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Americans to do this. They won't. They won't, they won't understand it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awful. No, that is quite funny. There's a pseudo dragon that you can meet on the ship, and um, mm. when you when you kill, there's these lizard men on the ship. Ooh. And when you kill them, there's this pseudo dragon that's the pet of one of them, oh. and so it then will become a pet of one of the PCs. Oh. Um. This is Lizard Man Number One, and it says once Lizard Man Number One is dead. There's a yes. basic 50% chance that the pseudo-dragon will select one human-slash-humanoid party member <laughs> as its new companion. This member must be one who has not actually attacked Lizard Man number one, or the pseudo-dragon itself. And the little creature's order of preference... This is all one sentence. Little creature's order of preference <laughs> from among the party members, members will be, one, a druid, two, a ranger, three, any character of neutral good alignment... Four, any character having neutral in his alignment, but not evil. Five, any magic user having good in his alignment. Full stop. So, so, so Saltmarsh, the town you're starting off in. Yeah, that's not important. You make that up yourself. Who the pseudo dragon wants to adopt as their new owner? That, 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 we need to address this in detail. <laughs> yeah. We can't mess around with this. This has got to be like, you know, very carefully planned out. Does, does the pseudo dragon play a key? A key role oh, in really? subsequent adventures. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, marvelous, marvelous. Mm. Yeah. Oh, there me. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is uh, the, the sinister secret. It's, it's quite a simple adventure, really. Mm. It's two. It's, it's two. Two episodes essentially. And yeah. um, <laughs> I love this introduction here yes. from um, Don Tornbull. Um, He's um, <laughs> as he goes. Um, uh, there is, I suppose, inevitably one drawback. Though at TSR UK we know how popular the AD&D game has become and have a pretty good idea of how much more popular it will become in the next year or so, the fact remains that the majority of readers of this module and our others to follow will not be UK citizens. Most will be Americans. And there will be others who live elsewhere in non-English-speaking countries or otherwise. Which raises the problem of varying usage of English language. It came as something of a surprise to me to discover (laughs) that the English language, theoretically the same in both countries, enjoys a far wider deviation in usage than I had realised between the UK and the USA. The differences are not solely products of differing slang and jargon. There are much more subtle differences in emphasis in the recognition of what is correct use of the language, in the nuance of the meanings of certain words. I mean, he's got... It goes on. I'm only halfway through. There's this basic essay at the start of the 
That is what module. the whole first... Yeah. Um, the first four paragraphs of this game... Explaining to Americans that the author is English and therefore... Uses words differently. But to be honest, you read through it and it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see anything particularly flowery. Flattery. Well, it's quite it's quite a stilted, written in quite a stilted way all the way through. But I think that's just the style of the time, rather than yeah, that's just sort of British speak. Thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everything, everything that you could say in four or five words, make sure you spend a paragraph saying it, mm. especially when you've only got fifteen pages to play with. Absolutely. Russ, <laughs> should we indulge in wild speculation? Do you wish to? I definitely wish to. What do you want to speculate about? What's going to be in the fifth dead version? Ghost in Saltmarsh. Wow. Oh, interesting. Oh. Well, I assume so. The fifth head thing has like six or seven adventures in total in it. Yes, and Ghost of Saltmarsh is just one of those. Right. Um. So we know it's going to have um the Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh and its two sequels, which yep. uh, what are they? Danger at Dunwater and what was the third one? So these are these are the adventures sure. in yep. uh, Ghost of Saltmarsh. We've got the Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh, which, yep. which is this thing right here. Yeah. Danger at Dunwater, the sequel. Mm-hmm. And the final enemy, uh, the final enemy, which is the third one in that trilogy. Okay. And then separately, it also has Salvage Operation, mm-hmm. Isle of the Abbey, mm-hmm. Tamarot's Fate, mm-hmm. and The Styes. Oh. And it says it's going through levels one through twelve. Okay, over what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven adventures. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. There we go. Coming uh, out twenty first of May two thousand and nineteen in hardcover format. So do you think it's going to be more of a Tales of the Yawning Portal style thing? Or I guess trying... so, yeah. That would be my, yeah. that would be my guess. Okay, but, but different in some other ways because they're all sort of vaguely connected. Just talking about the length of it. Okay, so how long is this book? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't say. Does it give the weight? <laughs> it doesn't give the weight. Oh. Uh, we, could work out the, we could work out the length, couldn't we? Let's yeah. call up the Amazon page, see if yeah. that's the page count. Where's the page count? On Amazon, it is... No page count there. Oh, 1.2 pounds. Oh, we've got the weight. By Joe. We could do science and work out how many pages it is. Uh, I think our listeners would be disappointed if we didn't indulge in some more scientifically informed <laughs> speculation. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, so we've measured Hordes of the Dragon Queen. And that is? One pound, five ounces. Okay. Just double check. So that's the smallest book. That is the smallest. That's why I brought that one down. And the player's handbook's the biggest one. So we've got the smallest and the biggest one. Yeah. Ooh, a hefty two two pounds, eight ounces. Yeah. And a quarter for the player's handbook. Interesting. And tells the yawning port was sort of in the middle. Yeah. Two pounds. And one ounce. So, and this this one's 1.2 pounds. So what's that? One pound. One pound. Is it 1.2? 1.2 pounds. Is it 1.2? So you're going to convert? Ah. Okay. Uh, multiply mass value by 16. Good to know. Okay. How right. many ounces are there in a pound? 16. Right. Apparently. So it's one pound and three ounces. Uh, yes. 1.2 pounds is one pound and three ounces. Well, hold on. 16 divided by five is, yeah, one, three and a bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So which of those is closest, was closest to that? One pound. Uh, that was the Hall of the Dragon Queen. One pound and three ounces. Yeah. One pound... Two and a half ounces. Yeah, it's the same number of pages as the Horde of the Dragon Queen then, and I'm guessing. Yeah. So in that case, our guess is... That's quite short. That's only 94, 95 pages. Oh, that is short. That is very short. Right, so then like... I mean... And we've I don't got, think that can be right. And it's like, what, 32 pages per module, more or less. That, that seems like a fairly standard size for them, doesn't mm. it? Okay, so... Uh, and there were, what, six modules? Mm-hmm. So we'd expect around about 180 pages. You'd expect it to be twice that, yeah. Yeah, easily. Uh, unless our science is failing us. Uh, or unless this Amazon listing is wrong and it doesn't, in fact, weigh 1.2 pounds. Yeah. So if, so if we assume it's about 32 pages per thing, so if they just reprint it straight off, which I think they'd be hard-pressed to do because they, they need to do, so if it'd be like 192 pages. Mm. Uh, do we have any 192-page books? I, I, I think the Amazon listing, we, we have scientifically proven that the Amazon listing must almost certainly be wrong because it's giving us a weight that just will not fly mm. unless it's basically being released in softcover. It's not. It's definitely a hardcover. Definitely hardcover uh, because they're going to need to provide extra information. Like they can't like to, to be considered a modern product. I mean, 
1981, nobody really knew what they were doing. They were all just making it all as they went along, which is absolutely fine. Mm. But nowadays, people expect things. like They expect you to provide some NPCs and give them names. Mm. You can then choose to ignore it if you like. But on the whole, people are like, if my adventure didn't come with an NPC name, I would be quite annoyed. <laughs> and there will be a lot more attention given to uh, Ned Shakeshaft, for example, as well. <laughs> I am going to be interested. In fact, I, I want to buy the book just because I want to see how they handled that. Yeah, I, I think the I think there will be a lot more detail in it, if only just to make it seem like less of a pamphlet. <laughs> mm. Well, there we go. Scientific quite, proof. Quite that, sure. Yeah, well, I, I think we've done some science. We've shown that Amazon is just wrong. Unless, like, they're using... Unless it's very small hardback. Yeah, who knows? Who Perhaps knows? they're deviating, and the big secret of the Ghost of Saltmarsh is actually bringing out an A5 mm. size. Yeah. Oh, we got a letter, by the way. Do we get a letter? Handwritten. <gasps> oh, that's nice. I thought I'd read it out. It says... Yes? In this day, an email is what most people get. So I thought I'd take a shot at sending you a letter. So this has arrived in a black envelope with silver address on the front. It's come from... It's got a lot of dinosaur stamps. It's got a lot of dinosaur stamps on it. It's come from the USA. Ooh. Four different dinosaur stamps. Uh, So I'm a GM in uh, Denver, Colorado, USA. Mm -hmm. But I spend more time building tools for GMs than I do running games. To that end, I wanted to tell you about Encounters... And the address of that is rpgencounters, one word, dot com. Mm. A tool to add NPCs, build encounters, and run your game. It supports any device, but it doesn't support my kettle. <laughs> any screen size. But Samsung's smart refrigerator, he's got covers. Four languages so far, and nice. multiple systems. 5e, Savage Worlds, Stars Without Numbers. Um, it even works offline. Anyway, I hope you like it enough to share with others. Thanks for your time, Mario Lurig. Lurig. Yeah. Can't, wait, can't quite read that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, well, thank you very much, Mario. Thanks for taking the time to write to us. Um, yeah. RPGencounters.com. Oh, and there's all sorts of like. And he sent us some stickers those, too. Stickers. Um, I think that is it for this week, so I guess we should Aww. sign off. Well, if we must, we must. But. Well, thank you, everyone, as always, for listening. Uh, yeah, it's goodbye from me, Peter Coffey, from the Southampton Guild Roleplayers. And it's goodbye from me, Russ, who you can find on Twitter, at Morris, or on EN World. <laughs> <laughs>